This weekend in Arkansas sports was nothing short of spectacular. The baseball team showcased power on the diamond. Basketball brought the heat to the court, and gymnastics displayed elegance and precision while softball hit it out of the park, both figuratively and literally. It was a weekend filled with victory, stellar performances, and relentless spirit of the Razorbacks shining in every game. We'll talk about that on today's, today's episode and more. Welcome into episode 67 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast, your go-to podcast for an in-depth dive into all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Join us as we dis- dissect the victories, analyze the plays, and re- revel in the spirit of the Hogs. Before we get started, episode 67 is brought to you by Homefield. Step into the legacy of collegiate apparel with Homefield's premium vintage collegiate apparel. Embrace the spirit of your alma mater or favorite team with our meticulously crafted, comfortable, and stylish collection. Elevate your game day attire and celebrate the rich history of college sports. Homefield, where tradition meets modern comfort in every stitch. So go check out Homefield. You can use the promo code VARIETYSPORTS in all caps to get 15% off your first order. Go check them out today. Fantastic Razorback stuff that they're always coming out with new collections, new pieces that are fantastic and great creative designs that Give you a little bit of throwback as well as new and modern things. So, quick tidbit for football. Spring practice is back next week, and so we'll keep you up to date on all that as we get it. And as new things develop, there'll be a few battles to watch position-wise. And I think everybody's interested to watch the offense and how it develops under the first year of Bobby Petrino being back in Arkansas. So, we'll bring all the spring practice practice news to you as we get it and we'll jump over to Arkansas basketball where it was hit or miss but there was a big game this weekend and we'll get to that in a minute but Arkansas women's basketball last week went on the road to Texas A&M in a pivotal matchup where they're on the bubble to make the tournament and they unfortunately fell short in this one as they lost 73 to 67 leading scores for Arkansas in that game were Samar Spencer with 24 points, followed by Miriam Dowdle with 17, Michaela Daniels with 15. And then rebounding-wise, you had Sailor Poffenbarger lead all rebounders with 9, followed by Michaela Daniels with 7, and Miriam Dowdle with 6. Shooting-wise, Arkansas shot the ball decent in this game, going 38.3% from the field, going 23 of 60, 31.8% from the three-point line, going 7 of 22, and 70% from the free throw line, going 14 of 20. And this is just another one of those games where the ball didn't bounce Arkansas's way in a close matchup where you think you hit a few more free throws, you might increase your three-point percentage by a little bit, and you, you easily get the victory here. Yeah, turnovers, you know, th- the, the small things like that, loose balls and stuff, getting a few extra possessions could have been a difference maker in this game. Um, I actually thought we shot the ball well enough to get a win, maybe – could have had a little bit better shooting percentage just from the field, only 38%. But I felt like our three-point percentage, as long as you're, you know, 30-plus, you're in okay territory there. Um, so, 
overall, I mean, it was a close game. We were in a position to to win it at the end and just, you know, kind of didn't work out. Like I said, a couple of possessions here, there going different direction. Could have been a different ending in this game. But um, kind of a tough stretch here at the, the end of the season for the Lady Razorbacks trying to squeak it in on, like you said, the outside of the bubble there. But um, definitely not a good game to lose as far as that goes. Uh, but overall, I mean, you're still having really, really good performances from some of your big players. They're playing hard. They're fun to watch. I mean, that's definitely a, another key factor from a fan's perspective. These these players are really fun to go out there and watch. So whenever you get a chance, go watch them play. You're not going to regret it. But uh, overall, kind of a tough loss and one that we really needed to win. Yeah, that that's true. And, you know, talk about needing wins, you know, just from morale's per- perspective, you jump into Arkansas men's basketball where, you know, they got a big win last week on the road against Texas A&M, which was great to see them go on the road and fight and get a win there and possibly affect A&M's potential to make the tournament since they were close in the last four out there. So it's always a good day when you can spoil Texas A&M season or play some effect to it. But, you know, they got the big win on the road and then come back home. And, you know, with this Arkansas men's team, you you don't really ever know what you're going to get going to get performance wise. But they come back home against Missouri, a team that, you know, dead last in the conference, hasn't won a conference game and really took care of business. It was Far too close for far too long, but they found a way to pull it out, and that was all behind an 88-73 win, all on the shoulders of one Khalif Battle, who put up 42 points in this game and just had a stellar performance. He could not miss. He shot 30% or 60% himself from the three-point line. It was just his day, and he was on fire and carried Arkansas to victory in this one. Makai Mitchell followed him up with 13 points and Tremont Mark with 10 Rebounding-wise, you had Devo Davis with nine, Tremont Mark with seven, and Khalif Battle, Makai Mitchell tied with six each. Shooting-wise, Arkansas shot all around great in this game with 48.1% from the field going 25 of 52, 40% from the three-point line going 10 of 25, and 82.4% from the free-throw line going 28 of 34. I mean, this game was short of – Everything that you could want. I mean, Khalif Battle just came out and put on a clinic against Missouri. Yeah, it was awesome to watch. I, I mean, it almost it, at one point, you know, I, I looked up and he had like twenty points, and then it was kind of a quiet twenty points, and then man, just that that second half, it just seemed like he exploded even more after having a pretty good first half of the game, and uh, it just it, it got to where you know it, it was loud points. He was hitting heat check threes. I mean it. It just kind of got ridiculous almost in a in a fun, fun way. And I was excited to see him have that level of success with kind of the up and down season that he's had and really an up the up and down season that we've all had. Um, it was fun to kind of finally have one of those games that you can really get loud and proud about, especially with a player like that having a career performance. Um, overall, a great team win. But yeah, he really did carry us this game. This was this was his uh kind of breakout in a sense. I was about to say, I think this was more of the Khalif battle type of player you were expecting when, you know, he decided to come here from Temple, you know, coming into the end of the season, you know, he's supposed to be an electric scorer. We kind of saw that going into as the season got kicked off, as he put up several 20 point games. And then, you know, as conference play started, he kind of fell off. I think he lost a little bit of confidence as, you know, he was struggling against some of these SEC opponents and really struggled to find himself that first half of the SEC conference and you know now late in the season i think he's really 
found that confidence back and is able to perform and, you know, comes out and, you know, against Texas A&M, he put up 15 points, which is, you know, not terrible, but I mean, that's kind of a bench player for him. And then he just took that to the next level in this game. And he carried that over to the next game, which we'll hit up in just a minute. But great performances all around there. And then we jump back over to women's basketball where they had a home matchup on senior day for Michaela Daniels. It was a big matchup with Vanderbilt where, you know, Arkansas still on the bubble for the tournament. And, you know, this was a very pivotal matchup for them. And unfortunately, it still fell 62 to 53. But that wasn't without your senior day celebration player, Michaela Daniels, getting ejected early in this game, which hurt this team to begin with. And so you see your leading scorer, Samara Spencer, with 19 points. Carly Keats, 13 points, having to play extra minutes due to Michaela Daniels being out. And Carly Johnson with seven points. At, you know, another player that we haven't said their name much, but they had to step up with one of Arkansas's key players being out, not to mention Talia Scott being out as well due to some injury issues. Rebounding-wise, you had Sailor Poffenbarger with 12, Samara Spencer with 5, and Miriam Dowdy with 4. Shooting-wise, Arkansas shot 31.5% in this game from the field, going 17 of 54. 23.3% from three-point range is going 7 of 30, and then 66.7% from the line going 12 of 18. And, you know, this was a really needed game that Arkansas couldn't pull out, but when you have one of your key players get ejected early in the game, that's just hard to overcome, and that kind of, you know, messes with the tone early. Yeah, that's 100% the case. And then, I, you know, it's – you can sit here and play the what-if game all you want to, but I can't help but think that some of these games that we've lost in some close fashion, this one not as close as some of the other ones, but not having Talia Scott in and a lot of these games kind of in the back half of the season has really hurt us being our leading scorer and, you know, kind of really the the spark plug um, in, a, in a sense for this team. There's been a lot of other players really step up in her absence off and on. We've talked about that in some of our previous episodes. Um, but you you still can't replace her. And then, obviously, to your point, Michaela Daniels going out. I mean, that's two of your biggest pieces not on the floor. And it's, it's tough to get wins when you're you're shorthanded to that level. So, um, definitely, like you said, hurts to, to drop this game with all the implications that kind of came along with it. We're not having the best end of the season that we needed to try to make a tournament push. And that kind of hurts to see, and I hate that for them. However, you know, there, there is a lot of, you know, kind of that what-if factor of if we were healthier, if we had a little bit um, stronger performances from three in some of these games and, and a little bit better uh, – I, we, we've had some weak defensive possessions on a, a couple of these matchups and these these games, but overall, I mean, I'm, I'm still happy with where this program is, where the recruiting has been. I mean, some of the players we've been able to bring in has, has been electrifying, especially Talia Scott coming to mind there. Um, I think we're going in the right direction. We're just kind of having a tough end to the season here. Yeah, that's true. You know, they've got a few more games on their schedule, you know, that if they can, I think if they can get some wins there, they'll still keep themselves on the bubble, but they're going to have to really make it play harder. hard. And, you know, one of those games that comes to mind that is not going to be easy actually takes place starting in about one minute as South Carolina's in town and, you know, you got one of the top teams in the country. That could be a big win. If they somehow could pull off a win, a big upset here, that could do wonders for their resume. But looking past that game, you've got one more game with Ole Miss on the road before your SEC tournament run. 
And I think you really got to make a push there and win, you know, maybe make it, try to make it to the semifinals or the championship game. But it's going to be close for this Arkansas women's team. And like you said, it's going to be disappointed with the strides that they've made this year if they don't get in and, you know, don't get their opportunity. Yeah, very true. You couldn't have said it better. And we'll flip over to Arkansas Gymnastics, where Arkansas got a big gymnastics win over this weekend as well as they took on Kentucky. And, you know, they came back, and I think they've really figured out some things as far as some of their performances and, you know, struggling in previous weeks with certain events and and things of that nature. But they came back and beat Kentucky with a score of 197.4 to 197.150 in this match or this meet here. Arkansas outscored Kentucky on every event except for the beam, which we know that that's been one of those events that Arkansas has really struggled with this season. But you look at it, they outscored them on vault 49.4 to 49.075, outscored them on bars 49.375 to 49.275. The beam, Kentucky outscored Arkansas 49.275 to a 48.950. And then finally, Arkansas, with its fantastic floor routine, outscored Kentucky 49.65 to 49.525, and they had some great scores on this one. And it was great to see them get back in the winning column. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we, we've we talked about it in some previous episodes. If you can kind of break that 197-plus threshold in the uh, the gymnastics total scoring, you had a good meet, even if it doesn't result in a win. So, obviously, both of these teams, you know, had a good outing with us scoring a 197.4 and then at a 197.15. So, stiff, stiff competition there. So, it's, it is nice to see us come out on top. We've had a couple of – um tough losses kind of early in the season in some of these meets where we've had almost career days you know from a team standpoint but just got edged out by you know another team that had another career day as well so we've talked about it plenty of times before gymnastics is a sport that's really on the rise as far as popularity and uh fan viewership and things of that nature so they're they're a blast to watch Get out there, catch them when you can sometimes they're actually on certain ESPN channels you can watch them on TV off and on it's worth tuning in. They're, they are uh, electric, that's to say the least. Yeah, that, that's true. And, and, you know, I think as this sport continues to grow, we'll see, you know, the recruiting and all of those things increase and up, up their level. And so, you know, as we continue, you know, Arkansas has got a few more matches left in this or meets this season. Um, and th- those will be big as they get ready to hopefully – compete in the NCAA tournament of their own. And we'll jump back to Arkansas basketball. As you know, they had that momentum against Missouri coming in and getting the win there. And then you, you got to think they're on a two-game win streak. You're back at home against the second-worst team in the SEC, Vanderbilt. And for some reason, this Vanderbilt matchup has been almost like kryptonite for Coach Musselman as he's 3-3 three and three versus Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt. We all remember that game last year on the road that was very heated and chippy with Anthony Black and, you know, Jordan Walsh and those guys down in at Vanderbilt. Well, you know, you got to think after a big game by Khalif Battle, this team's got to be re- feeling really good. They just came out, looked pretty good for the first half of the first half. <laughs> and then when – Vanderbilt switched up defenses. That's where things really struggled for Arkansas. You know, leading scores in this game, you look at Cleef Battle. He did put up 36 points in this game. 
but that still wasn't enough when we scored 82 points and they, you know, they, they just edged us out with 85 to 82. LLS put up 19 points. So one of his better games from Mark, Tremont Mark with 15 rebounding wise, you saw Trevor Brazil make a return in this game. He played a few minutes versus Missouri, but didn't really record any stats, but you, you saw him play more time in this game. He tied Cleef battle and Tremont Mark for leading rebounder with six, followed by Makai Mitchell with five and LLS with three. Shooting wise in this game, Arkansas didn't shoot the worst in this game, but you got to think if they would have had a few more better shots, we'd be talking differently about this game where they shot 40% from the field going 23 of 57, 33.3% from three point range going 10 of 30. They shot 33s in this game, which is a little off for this men's team. And then 83.9% from the free throw line, 26 of 31. This is really what kept us in the game. But, I mean, it's tough when you let Vanderbilt come in and the final 12 minutes of the first half go on a 23-7 to 7 run. Yeah, that's tough to overcome. And you got to give kudos to their coaching staff. I think that's where we lost this game is we were outcoached. Um, to your point, you know, they, they switched up to a, a kind of a funky 1-3-1 looking zone. Um, and it just – it shut us down, honestly. Um, we, we were settling for a lot of perimeter shots because we couldn't penetrate that zone. And that had a dramatic effect on this game. It was one of the key reasons why we ended up losing. We had a tough time beating that. So, um, you know, obviously I don't think we shot horribly, to your point earlier. Um, shot well enough to win. Uh, just a couple of possessions kind of went awry just due to the defensive switch-ups that Missouri – or excuse me, Vanderbilt pulled on us. And I, I think that's something that – there's not much time left this year you know, to make corrections, but that's something you're going to have to look at next year. That's been kind of the MO for this team a lot this year is we've had success early in games. A team will make an adjustment on us and go to a zone or something like that, and it completely breaks up our offensive prowess, and we just can't get a bucket after that. So I think we're going to have to do a better job in development next year on understanding how to make in-game adjustments as other teams make in-game adjustments. That's something that I think we're seeing – um, poor performance at, you know, from the coaching, from the players this year. And I, I think that's hurt us in a couple of games. This one definitely is a prime example of that. But overall, still, a you know, almost a career night for Khalif Battle again. You can't overlook that. He's he's really been playing his butt off these last couple of games. And I think that's another thing you, you can't lose sight of is this team is still out there grinding, battling, playing as hard as they can. I mean, you see it in these games. And, and it's – it's not all for loss or anything like that, but you know, there, there's not a lot of you know postseason implications on the line for them to be playing as hard as they are. So you got to have a lot of respect to these players for them putting the effort they have been in this last half of the season, um, and the coaching staff too. You know, there's a lot of things we could be doing better, um, but you can't lose sight of the fact that they're they're going out every night playing as hard as they can. They have a lot of respect for basketball as a sport, a lot of respect for this state, and you can see that. Yeah, and it's one of those things too that you know I'm I even wonder with you know you have Trevor and Brazil entered back into the lineup after a two and a half three week absence, and it just seems like his presence may have thrown off the offense a little bit from them, thrown off their rhythm, and, and they're not used to playing with him. They've had this success the previous two games, really without him on the court, but Musselman with you know his talent that he has, he is talented in many ways and, and you got to think Musman really probably planned this offense this year around him and he just ever hasn't really filled those shoes that Mus has probably expected of him but you know 
looking forward with the the success that they had in the previous two games, getting victories without him playing, it's hard to say keep him on the bench. But do you want to disrupt or disrupt the rhythm? As Arkansas trying to get a few more wins towards this end of the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. It's it almost felt like in that A and M game we kind of found some type of rhythm on defense and offense. And uh, and that's you know what what it takes to to be successful in a Muslim team. You have to play good defense. Um, that that kind of drives the offense more often than not. But uh, it felt like we were finding some rhythm finally, and you, you saw that in the A and M in the Missouri game, the way they were able to capitalize on that, um, and then just kind of ran into a funky matchup with Vanderbilt where they just I, I think we just got out coached. I really just think that's all there is to it. Yeah. And it's a tough thing, especially towards the end of the game. You know, you have him in instead of maybe a Makai Mitchell or, you know, a Chandler Lawson that towards the end of the game, there was one point right there in the game with just seconds left that, you know, you have a chance to win this game. Vanderbilt goes to the free throw line, misses both free throws, but then you have nobody in there rebounding the ball. They get the ball, put, put it back to increase their lead. So to me, I think – I don't know. It, it, it's a perplexing question on whether you, now that he's back and can play, do you keep playing Trevor in Brazil? I saw today where Must said that uh, Jalen Graham was probably going to be available for the game this weekend. So do you play Jalen Graham more? It, it's one of those things that you've got a talented player, but is he hurting the team Fitting. more than he's helping? Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's why uh, the coaches get paid the big bucks and we don't because those are the the tough questions that are almost impossible to answer. Um, you know, they throw a guy out there, he has a career or not. Yeah, the coach looks like a genius. Or they throw a guy out there that they that had a great practice that week and he, and he absolutely flops, falls on his face. The coach looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. From a coaching perspective, you, you don't always know, um, I don't think. And that's, that's why that's definitely a tough job to be in. But – it is hard for me, you know, kind of from the outside looking in, it's hard for me to think that it makes sense to disrupt the little bit of success that we've had with kind of the Makai Mitchell getting quite a bit of minutes, you know, down low. And he's had some great games and great performances for us, kind of running that pick and roll look mm -hmm. offense off and on. Um, you had some guys like Layden Blocker really step up um, off and on in some of those games. And it's, I, I don't know. It, there is there's a lot of perplexing pieces, like you said, that you've got all this talent, but it's hard to know exactly how to mesh it all together. We we talked about it, I think, an episode or two ago that coming into this year, I think our I thought our depth was going to be one of our strengths, and not saying it's not, but it almost feels like it made Musselman's job so hard each night on knowing who to play. I think it might have been in the back of every player's mind that hey there's there's you know eight nine guys on this bench that can come in and take minutes away from me if I have a turnover or two and they it's almost like they were overplaying you know if, I, if that makes any kind of sense and nobody ever felt comfortable or something it's it's almost how it looked if you kind of look back at the the season as a whole um how you fix that I don't know um that's that's not for me to really say or to know. Uh, I definitely think it's something that they're going to have to think seriously long and hard about. And I think that's something they're going to have to kind of keep in the back of their mind as they're going out and recruiting other players um, 
entering, the, you know, getting guys out of the transfer portal. I think they need to maybe be a little bit more intentional on how they build the roster and not just throw offers at every single, you know, leading score from a certain team that enters a transfer portal that, that enters the portal. Um, I don't know. Got mixed feelings there, but anyways. Yeah, it's one of those things that there's no definite answer and, and it's all about your scheming. And, you know, that's not going to get easier this weekend as Arkansas goes on the road to a tough environment versus Kentucky that, if we're being honest, it might it, it has the chance to be not very pretty at all um, unless Arkansas can have one of those nights where they play up to their competition like, you know, they have in the past or, you know, I don't know. It's all about, I think, how you scheme, who you play, you know, does – after this game, does Brazil come out and have a bigger night? You know, does he find more rhythm with his team? I don't know. It's one of those things that we're gonna have to wait and see. And so hopefully they get some get some things figured out and improve their seating a little bit for the SEC tournament if they want to keep that slim, slim possibility of making a run in the tournament to potentially get that conference bid into the NCAA tournament, which again I emphasize very slim chances of that happening. But if they want to, they've really got to improve their seating so they don't have to play on day one and get, get at least a first-round buy. With that, we'll jump over to Arkansas tennis as Arkansas women's tennis got wins against number 46, Kansas, 4-1 to one on the 23rd, and number 48, Northwestern, 4-2 to two on the 25th. And then men's tennis, they got wins over Oral Roberts, 7-0 on the 21st, number 56, Tulsa, 4-1 to one on the 21st, Lamar 4-0 on the 24th, and SMU 4-2 on the 28th. And then, as we mentioned in the intro, it was a big weekend for several sports for Arkansas and big performances, stellar performances, none more than Arkansas track and field, the one consistent that you know that you can seem to count on year in and year out as Arkansas men's and women's indoor track team both won the SEC Indoor Track Championships over this past weekend. Not very surprising here, and glad to see they, they they got that sweep again. You know they did it last year, and I mean, it, it's it's normal for Arkansas to have the success in track. Yeah, it's it's kind of a given. Uh, it's something I think we take for granted. Obviously, it's not as a popular you know sport that you see advertised as much as some of the others. It's not you know not on TV very often or anything like that. Um, but it is something that I think Arkansas fans need to appreciate what we've been able to accomplish from a track and field perspective, the consistency that they show, and just the the level of competition um, that we are at kind of in comparison to the, to the rest of the nation is impressive and something that doesn't need to be overlooked for sure. So great to see them, you know, kind of pick up the sweep here, and I'm hoping they can do it in the uh, national championships. Very true, and, and you know those will be coming up soon, and so we wish them the best of luck there. And then we'll go over to our diamond sports that are finally back. And Arkansas softball, you know, they we if if you missed our Razorback recap that we did on Sunday, go back and check that out. That's where we dive in depth about all the games that happened over the weekend, including baseball and softball. With baseball being down in Arlington, our, the softball team playing in the the Whoopie Classic. Or sorry, the Razorback Invitational. The well, they kicked things off today in the Whoopi Classic as they took on South Dakota State and got a win there, four to three, in a game where we opened up the first inning with a bomb by Bree Ellis, 
who else than to start the game out with in, in that type of fashion. And so, you know, you got to love what Arkansas softball is doing there with, you know, that talent they're able to bring in via the portal. You know, Coach Diefel, like we said, week in, week out. It's hard to see what she's doing with this program. And, you know, we said opening this up, sophomore Hannah Kamsen, she got the win here after shutting the door on the Jackrabbits in the final three and a third inning as she came in the circle to for relief. And offensively, like we said, Briellis, who went one for three with that two-run home run in the first inning to get things started for Arkansas. Hannah Gamble paced the hog. She had two, two base hits as well. Kennedy Miller, freshman catcher, we talked about, has been a stellar performance so far this season. Reached base twice on a hit-by-pitch and an RBI double. Kylie Halverson, she played an Arkansas run with a in the first inning with a sacrifice fly as well. So Arkansas, you know, keeping that offensive pace that we saw this, all this past weekend, and I think they're set for another big weekend as, you know, we are hosting the Woodpig Classic at Bogle Park. So, you know, if you're in town, you're around this weekend, finding yourself, you know, with nothing to do, go check out the Bogle Bombers at Bogle Park. You, you won't be disappointed. A lot of fantastic things going on there with that program. And then as you flip over to Arkansas baseball, you know, we like we said, we recapped the weekend down in Arlington in our Razorback recap on Sunday. You know, that's going to be a regular thing. So be on the lookout this Sunday for another episode of Razorback recap coming up live for you. But that performance earned a number of Arkansas Razorbacks um, honors for their performance. And you had Hagen Smith earned the Golden Spikes Performance of the Week Award for that fantastic outing against Oregon State. He was also named SEC Pitcher of the Week. You had freshman Colin Fisher earn SEC Co-Freshman of the Week. Still with these Co's, but it's still a great honor for him to you know get that, that, that um, notoriety, if you will. And Arkansas came back, you know, with not having very good bats over the week, over that, you know, weekend in Arlington. Well, they came back in a big way against Grambling on Tuesday, where they got the one win here, twenty-one to set, twenty-one to one in seven innings. So they really they unleashed, you know, man. I, yeah. And you got to hope this is a momentum for, you know, as they get go through the rest of the season before we get to conference play. But this was a game where Arkansas had a combination of two grand slams, uh, home runs, you know, you name it, the Arkansas did it. And it all started out with a very surprising person coming up with the first grand slam in Hudson Polk. If you remember, he was a catcher for Arkansas last year that, you know, him and Roland, you know, kind of alternated catching on weekends and, and, and different times. Well, he found himself buried in the depth chart this year as, you know, most of our games have either been started by Hudson White or Ryder Helfrick, the stud freshman, and then Roland sprinkled in there as well. Well, Hudson Polk got his opportunity this weekend and made the most out of it with his first at-bat of the season, stepping up to the plate with bases loaded and sending it 421 over the wall for a grand slam for Arkansas, and, and that's – that's intense for your first at bat. Yeah, he really uh, stepped up to the plate, if you will, on that scenario there. I mean, he had, he hit a rocket off the batter's eye, straight dead away to center field. I mean, it was a no doubter. 
Um, heck of a performance from him. I thought he played well all around. Um, then you had Jason Jones, who's you know gotten playing time throughout the year off and on. Uh, he's trying to kind of find his way. He had a great game. Um, ended up having two home runs his, himself, and one of those being a grand slam. Um, and they were absolute missiles. Um, I think one of them was 105 off the bat, and one of them was 108 off the bat. I mean, just hitting absolute tanks, man. So, uh, like you said, the offense got rolling. Uh, it was good to see the bats come alive. Granted, you got to understand the competition level. I mean, Grambling threw five or six different pitchers out there, and I think a couple of them were throwing fastballs in the mid 70s. So that's you know that's that's high school speed. That's about what I can throw. <laughs> and uh, so it's expected that we should be able to hit well off of that type of pitching. Um, so it's it's good and a confidence builder to see that we were able to perform how we should have. That's a team you should beat by a plethora of runs, maybe not by 20. I mean, that was excessive. Uh, you know, but yeah, you should beat a team like that by five to 10 runs. And so it's it's a good confidence booster to actually come out there, perform as it's expected of you, and really just kind of get everybody involved. There was, you know, multiple position players subbed in and out, you know, in the fourth inning, fifth inning, just to get some excess playing time and things of that nature. A lot of pitchers rolled out there just to, uh, you know, get some innings under their belt. And then, you know, with it being a seven-game win, nice to be able to maybe get a little bit of extra rest more than you're expected. So, overall, could, couldn't beat that performance at all. I mean, I, everybody played well. Every, everybody that pitched, everybody that hit, everybody that subbed in, I mean, it was it was a good outing. Yeah, you, you couldn't ask for more in this game. And you you mentioned some of those pitching speeds thrown by Grambling. I believe one of Jason Jones's home runs that came 105 off the bat came off of a 68-mile-an-hour pitch. That's so bat speed right there. Yeah, that, that that's intense. And, you know, we'll run through the pitchers real quick. You got – you had, like Seth said, several guys run out there just to get them some innings and kind of see what you've got. Maybe some of those guys that struggled against JMU a few weekends ago, they that didn't get, a you know, the best start. Run them back out there and see if maybe it was just, you know, opening season jitters or whatnot. Well, in this game you had Colin Fisher get the start in this one. We know what he can do. He came in for a single inning, you know, one walk, one strikeout on 12 pitches, and then – Parker Coyle came in in relief. You know, he didn't have the best outing against JMU. He came in this one, pitched two innings. He had one hit, one strikeout on 23 pitches. So not not, not probably what he wanted to do, but still a little bit better than what he did against JMU. Cooper Dossett, a name we haven't seen this season, came out for uh, one inning, had one walk, one strikeout, or sorry, three strikeouts on 17 pitches, and he he's a local product out of Springdale. Christian Fouch came in one inning, one walk, one strikeout, and 13 pitches. So, you know, you got to see what you got there. Gage Wood, you know, we saw him. JMU tried to come in and close against it down in Arlington. Well, he came out for another inning here, got two strikeouts and 21 pitches. And then finally, Tate McGuire finished things up in that final seventh inning with – one inning, he had three hits against him. He is where the the Grambling's one lone run came from. Not a shutout, unfortunately, on 24 pitches with three strikeouts. So you got to think that, you know, that's some good experience for these guys. Like you said, some of those positional players you saw, like you said, a handful of players come in and uh, take, take relief and get some bats in. And, you know, I got to say, does – what Hudson Polk did at the plate kind of 
give him some a little bit more playing time if you're start if you're Dave Van Horn looking at your catcher so far with the other two struggling a little bit from the plate and you have your guy from last year that made drastic improvements from hitting 129 last year to coming out his first at bat at the plate hitting grand slam. I think that's definitely something you got to keep in the back of your mind. I, I do think that uh, Hudson White and Helfrick are better defensive catchers, and I think that's that's where you got to look first. Um, but in a pinch hit scenario, mm. in certain you know high leverage situations in games, you know you've got somebody like Hudson Polk that brings big power. I know he hit the farthest home run in our uh, spring scrimmages. I think he hit one like four. 50 or something like that and it was the longest one that was recorded out of all the home runs that were hit early on so the kids got tremendous power i think the consistency of his bat is that question but if you need somebody to come in and get you a big hit in a in a pinch situation you know he's somebody to think about and then in some of those midweek games you know even if you're rolling a different catcher out there you've got a dh spot you know see what he can do see if you can kind of build some momentum get his average up, you know, be be a kind of consistent contributor from the batting side of things. And uh, it's definitely a, a good thing to have in your back pocket if you need him. Um, I, we are really, really deep at catcher. I think our whole team is deep this year at pretty much every position, um, especially once you get Stovall back. I mean, you'll, you'll have a pretty deep second base lineup with Peyton Stovall, Peyton Holt, Nolan Souza that are all kind of traditional second basemen. I mean – that you look at every position, there's there's starting caliber players, you know, on the bench at every position available. So, um, like you said, it's definitely something I'm going to be curious to watch how the rest of the season goes, especially in some of these midweek games, you know, some of the, the non-conference weekend series. Does Polk get some more playing time just due to some of his big hits? It'll be fun to kind of watch that happen, and I'm rooting for him. He had a really, really cool um, post-game interview. If you go go find that on YouTube, he's a very, very humble kid. He was ecstatic about the opportunity he got in that game. He he knows he's kind of down on the depth chart. And so you, you could tell that he was just happy to be uh, part of that game, you know, to, to pitch in and have an effect on the game early on like he did. Um, that was a really cool interview. So go find that and watch that if you get the time to. Yeah, that's very true. And as you look at it, you know, you've got another, you know, weekend of a non-conference schedule where you've got Murray State coming in to, to play this weekend. And, you know, you start looking at the the racers, you know, they, they come in six and two as well. And, you know, you start looking at matchups here. You know, they've got several guys to you kind of want to watch out for, you know, just going down some stats for them. You know, they come in hitting a 319, which is a little bit better than Arkansas at sitting at 287 right now. You know, their OPS is at 924. You know, they average about 8.8 .8 runs per game. They've hit 1,100 home runs on the season, stolen eight bases. You know, their average ERA is 3.73. Their opponent's batting average is 210, whereas we sit at 187. And their fielding percentage is 9.7 or 9.972. So you look at key players for the Murray State Racers. Their 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 top guy you gotta look at is third baseman Carson Garner. You know, four, hitting 440 average eight in the first eight games, 25 at bats, eight runs scored, 11 hits, 13 RBIs, five home runs, 11 walks, four strikeouts, one error, and he fields a 95 percent. 0.957 fielding percentage. So he's the guy that is probably going to be the guy you're going to want to look out for in this batting order. 
as well as right fielder Jonathan Hogart. He's hitting 419 in the through the first eight games with 31 plate appearances, scored 13 runs, 13 hits, four RBIs, two two doubles, seven walks, five strikeouts, and you know a 400 fielding percentage. So he no mistakes for him so far this season. So those two guys that you might want to watch out for if, you know, with Arkansas as you're, you're going down the lineup, you know, even though they have good hitting percentages, they probably haven't seen anything like Arkansas's pitching lineup yet this season. On the flip side of that, pitching-wise, you know, they got a couple guys to look out for, two left-handers and a right-hander. You know, these are guys that you probably can't expect to see some time. Their main guy, Allen Roulette, has a 348 ERA on the season. 2-0 in his two starts. He's pitched 10 and a third through the first few games here. He's allowed seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, and 10 strikeouts on the season. So, you know, what? Over, looking at these projections and these guys to look out for, what does this tell you a little bit about this Murray State team? Well, the biggest thing that stands off the page to me, and I, I can't remember his name, the, uh, the third baseman that you just stated there. Carson Garner. He has uh, more home runs than he has strikeouts. I know it's early in the season. That's still an incredible statistic. So that's somebody that doesn't doesn't swing and miss very often. Um, so <laughs> that's that's incredible to see. Um, so that one stands off the page to me for sure. But like you said, I think the biggest thing is you, you can't really look at these team statistics on either side, on, on our side of it or theirs, and really – go off of it too much this early in the season there's still guys kind of finding their sea legs um obviously a, a name that comes to my mind is somebody that you know is going to have a better year than they've had so far is Vahiva Aloy I mean he's going to get going at some point he's he's got too good of an approach at the plate to not he's just kind of got got to get some of those jitters down and stop chasing a few of those breaking ball pitches um but his bat's phenomenal. It, it'll get there. But he's somebody that you're going to see. He, he doesn't have great stats right now. He doesn't. That's just all there is to it. But it's early in the season, and I think he'll fight his way out of that and end up having a good year. Um, so can't go off too much of these numbers early on. And especially to your point, I don't think that they've faced anybody like the trio that we have in starting pitching. You can't say enough about them, honestly. They've, they've looked very uh, Blaine Knight, Casey Murphy, Isaiah Campbell-esque as far as having kind of that one, two, three punch. We talked a little bit about it on our uh, recap show. Go check that out. But um, Hagen Smith has been almost unhittable, at least in the the one game against, down there in, in Arlington against Oregon State. He was unhittable. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, 17 strikeouts against 18 hitters is unhittable. I don't know what else you can ask for there. Um, and then you've got Mason Molina, and then you've got um, – Help me out here, Brady Tiger. Brady Tiger. Uh, yeah, who both have been racking up the strike. If you didn't have Hagen Smith getting 17 strikeouts in game one, it wouldn't be surprising for me to have seen Mason Molina kind of get that SEC pitcher of the week nod with 10 his own in six innings of work. I mean, he was phenomenal. It's just you can't ask for more out of your starting pitching right now, averaging, you know, 70, 75 pitches six seven innings you know it's it, that's that's hard to beat against the competition that we've had so far i think that's going to carry over into this series and i think we're going to be able to shut these guys down a little bit more than they've seen so far this year that's what we're going to have to have and you know as long as we can kind of keep the bats rolling how we got them sparked up against grambling i think we've got a pretty good opportunity of having a good series yeah i think that's key you get this momentum you know 
I'd rather us be where we're at right now. I know some people are frustrated with that loss we had against Oklahoma State. You know, that's a really tough game, whereas if you have your bats, you probably win that game. You know, JMU, that that was just opening season games. You know, Arkansas it seems to every year lose one home open one ser- one game of a series that they shouldn't. They've checked that box with JMU. So, you know, hopefully throughout the rest of this home game homestand they got before we get into some conference play, they handle and take care of business. Bring them brooms. An interesting stat through the first few games of the season is I think, you know, this is from some statistics for for you people that like it and from one of my, my good friends that's huge into baseball. Arkansas's magic number this year is most likely going to be four, meaning games that we can score at least four or more runs. We're probably going to win those games. Arkansas is five and oh in games that we score four more runs this season, where they're 0 and 2 in games we score less than two or less than four. So, with Arkansas's pitching, you got to think that makes sense. If you can put up at least four runs, our pitching staff between Hagen, Brady, and Molina, you're not going to score very many runs off those guys. And if, if our uh, relievers can come in and show up and do, do their job, I don't see why that couldn't be the case. Yeah, I think that'll hold up most of the year until you play maybe a couple of the the outstanding SEC teams that we've got on the docket, like LSU and some of those games. It, it might be you got to score more like six or something like that, you know. But um, overall, I, I think that's something you probably can look at as a metric that's similar to like you know basketball. If you if you can hit you know six or seven threes or more, you know that's kind of the metric on okay, you, you're probably going to have a good shot at winning. Or if you're less than that, and you're shooting a poor percentage. You more often than not going to take a loss. Um, so kind of a similar way of thinking there. Um, but we, that's just the one thing that I think we've got to build the consistency on. To me, it looks like the pitching is going to be there. E- even if we do have an injury or two throughout the year, we are very, very deep at starters and relievers and even closers, if you kind of want to look at it that way. Um, so pitching is going to be just fine, I think, especially especially with these you know non-conference opponents. But I think they're going to be just fine in conference as well. It looks like the caliber of all these pitchers is there. You've got guys throwing 95-plus. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous with nasty, nasty stuff. But where we've got to get that consistency is on the bats. We talked about it in that recap show. Learn how to play a little bit better small ball. It's fun hitting all these home runs. The grambling game was great. We were smoking balls. I mean, it was it was awesome. But you can't always depend on that. you got to find ways to, to knock bunts down when you need them to get – guys in the scoring position and then have a timely single, you know, that those are the things that actually win baseball games. Home runs are nice and all, and they do help you and they do win games from time to time, but it's the consistent getting, getting guys on base, advancing them around the bases and then being able to drive them home is how you win ball games. Yeah, that's true. So in that, we'll start wrapping up here as you know, we've got a load of events coming up this weekend and that all starts, you know, Tonight, Arkansas women are taking on South Carolina, and in that game, you know, we'll get a quick update here for you. Arkansas currently down 14 with four minutes left in the second quarter, you know, down before half. I'll be happy. You know, I hate to look at it this way, but I, if we can keep this under 30-point loss, I, that, I think that will be success here. Yeah, it's, it hurts to say that, but that's pretty accurate. And then you get things started tomorrow, getting the weekend started with 
Arkansas softball and baseball, both getting things kicked off at 3 p.m. Arkansas taking on Southeast Missouri State. And then baseball getting things kicked off with that first match of the series of Murray State. And then Arkansas has women's tennis taking on number 20 Tennessee on Friday as well. And then part of a doubleheader, Arkansas will be taking on FAU at 5.30 after that first game. You know, this is a team they've seen before. They went and played down in Florida, Boca Raton. They played this FAU team, got the win and a run rule there. So hopefully we can, you know, make that two wins against them on the season. Then, as we mentioned, Arkansas basketball is going on the road to Kentucky this weekend where they have the 1230 matchup. You know, hopefully that's a game that, you know, maybe can Arkansas can find something there and kind of get a win to help boost their SEC tournament seeding. That's all you can really hope for. Baseball is back in action against Murray State at 2 o'clock on Saturday. First pitch. Softball, South Dakota State, play, they're playing them again in the Wupig Classic at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Men's tennis taking on number five, Tennessee. Women's taking on, turn around, turn again, taking on number 11, Georgia. Softball taking on on Sunday the 3rd, Southeast Missouri State again at 12-15. And then Arkansas will finish up their series against Murray State at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The women will go on the road to take on Ole Miss in their final regular season SEC conference game before the SEC tournament gets kicked off. Men's tennis will take on Tennessee Tech. Gymnastics goes on the road to Missouri before they come back home for their final two meets. That will actually be in Bud Walton, so let's get out there and pack the Bud. You know, it's a great show, so if you haven't got your tickets, go try to get those and show up for those gymnastics meets. And so as we wrap up there, you know, this was our first live show. We may try to get more consistent at this and, you know, come to you live more than just our pre-recorded shows. So make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, wherever you find those, go check it out. The, hit that like button. That means a lot for us as we're growing here. And, you know, thank you for listening to today's episode and we'll be right back here next week.